This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. live on joy 94.9 saturday afternoon from noon via the live stream at joy.org.au forward slash listen live or tune your wireless in melbourne to 94.9 fm one two three four use it break it fix it trash it change it nail it grade it change it point it to me press it snap it work it quick erase it write it cut it paste it save it load it check it quickly write it plug it play it burn it flip it drag it drop it zip and zip it lock it Fill it, call it, find it, view it, code it, gem and lock it, surf it, scroll it, pause it, click it, cross it, crack it, switch it, date it, Good afternoon, this is Techno Gaze here on Joy 94.9, the show where we gaze into the world of consumer electronics, gadgets and technology. <laughs> Why are you laughing so early in the show? <laughs> I'm just looking at your your facial expression, Michael. It's like stunned rabbit in front of headlights. I don't know why. Cause, you know, oh, we're on, we're live. Ah, <laughs> panic. Uh, Michael, of course, has joined me in the studio uh, this week again. Again? Just you yes. and me again. Just two of us. This time you're driving the bus, I'm piloting. You are piloting and I'm pushing buttons. Yes. And I'm missing a button I've just noticed on my console. Gasp. Where's the gasp button? Do you have the gasp button? <laughs> no, no, you don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's as close as we can do. So, uh, yes, we, we do talk about tech here on Technogaze. It's an exciting week here at Joy. Lots of what, lots of goings on, technically wise. Quick <laughs> shout out to Josh and uh, Chris today because they're uh, busy in uh, one of our studios putting it all together, upgrading it. Yes, nice digital studio going going live. Hopefully, before the day is out. Fingers crossed. Nothing like piling on the pressure. Well, we were we were going to try and do the show from that studio, but uh, unfortunately, maybe next week. We're, we're just a bit uncomfortable about the wires that are kind of hanging out of the uh, the panel. Nah, don't worry, <laughs> just step around them. Yeah. Uh, in other technology news, this week we'll be covering some of the latest, including um, shell shock. No, we're not talking about any war, you know... Um, PTSD? Yeah, no, no. Not, none of that. It's actually uh, uh, the latest vulnerability that's occurred internet-wide. Yeah, we had a bit of chat about this last week. Mm-hmm. So we've just got a few updates to see where it's at. Yes, including Apple's response to it, mm. uh, which is notable because it's probably one of the biggest consumer... Uh, Manufacturers or, or companies to to be affected by it. Yeah, because um, considering that most machines out there are Windows based, which mm. doesn't run Bash, of course, mm. and it's not affected by it. Yeah, Apple's uh, probably the largest consumer facing company. So it's important stuff there. We'll we'll cover that in a few moments. Uh, Wi-Fi. Um, speaking of Apple and their um, their latest iOS version. So we're talking about iOS eight for mobile phones and for. Uh, tablet devices. Um, There's some interesting information about the... How should we put this? So this is about Mac addresses, right? So it's related when, to privacy. When you t- yes, when you turn on your your you might leave Wi-Fi on and you might leave your uh, Bluetooth on. Um, if you're roaming about, sometimes those those services can identify you as you're walking past. 
various devices. Send a little, send a little unique number out there to broadcasters to let the world know that you're out there and safe. Yeah, so there was some interesting developments there mm. in iOS 8, but it seems that they haven't really fulfilled on what they originally sold them as. Uh, Apple in Ireland. Uh, apparently the tax arrangements aren't so good as well. We'll talk about that too. Yes. What else is happening? Microsoft. Yes, big announcement this week for Microsoft. Mm. New uh, version of Windows. Microsoft Windows 10. I think that's what they I think that's just preliminary naming. It's not necessarily what they're going to call it for its its No, uh, no, release. no, it is the release name. Oh, okay. Yeah, the temporary name was Threshold. Windows Threshold was the code name. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> maybe we're on the th- maybe maybe it should be now Precipice because you know, we're either going to make it or break it this time because we didn't do too well on Windows 8 and if we don't get this one right, well, we're really up the creek without so the this proverbial. Is, this is the next version of Windows, isn't it? As in, so one after Windows version 8. Oh, sorry, is there an 8? I had to stop counting at 7. <laughs> oh, yes. Some people were uh, encumbered with, with Windows 8. And <laughs> Forced. They're, they're, uh, they're swapping, they're going all the way to 10 straight away without version 9. So what's 8 plus 1 in, in the Microsoft world? <laughs> 10. <laughs> We've invented a new counting system. There was, there's somewhere between octal and um, decimal, there's a Microsoft <laughs> counting system called Windows. Actually, that's what we'll call it. We'll call it Windows, base octal. Windows. No, base Windows. <laughs> which has a nice ring to it, considering what their, what their future plans are for Windows as well, which we'll talk mm, about. Yes, we'll give it away just now. To distant future. Mm. Uh, social networks. Allo is a new social network that has uh, responded to Facebook's criticism of, well, no, the, the criticism that's going to Facebook around use of real names. names. Yep. Uh, Allo tried to respond to that by saying, hey, come to us, we'll, we'll keep you safe. Mm. Um, so we, we thought we'd do a bit of an, an analysis of Allo. Um, you know, where is it at? Is it is it really what it's um, what it's cracked up to be? I've I've signed up and I have some real life experience to impart. Be interesting to hear. Yep. Mm, and uh, in the to- tinfoil news brigade section, we'll talk about EU law and the Germans, uh, China saying duck duck go. Wait wait. Duck what, what, duck gone. gone. <laughs> yes. Yes, that was one of mine. There's, there's the uh, Michael pun right there. Um, and we're going to find out who gave the NSA their powers. Yes. It, uh, there's a little hint. It was a few decades ago. Now, if you would like to contact us while we're in the studio here, you can do so by texting us 0427JOY949. You can email us. On air at joy.org.au. Yes. Or you can phone us. One three hundred joy nine four nine. If you'd like to call us, you can do so and give um, Sarah. Sarah something to do. Because we like giving Sarah something to, something to do, don't we, Sarah? She don't. She, no, she, she's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> she was smiling, but obviously not at uh, what we were saying. Very good. All yes. right. Uh, a special thank you to Grant and Lee for joining us on the Facebook uh, page. For no, that was a very short cheer. I can give them a longer cheer. <laughs> yeah? Yes. Very good. So thank you for, for joining us. If you'd like to check us out on Facebook, you can do so by uh, jumping onto Facebook and Technogaze on Joy94.9 is the page name. Yes. Oh, Twitter. We're on Twitter too. Mm-hmm. At Technogaze. T-E-C-H-N-O-G-A-Z-E. Right. Now... Shall we get on to some news? 
I think um, this one rates uh, high priority. This is why we're putting it straight up. Is all around what's called shell shock. Yeah, we had a chat about that last week. And uh, this is the newly found bug that's about 22 years old. <laughs> yes. So it's, it's part of Bash, which is a uh, shell that's used like a command line interface, like a, you know, when you type in command prompt in, on a Windows machine. Yep. It's like that. Uh, but for Unixy machines, mm. a la Apple yes. machines, um, other systems on the internet use uh, Bash as well. But Apple is particularly important because it is a consumer. Uh, Operating system, and that's one of the things that's a bit strange about Shellshock. It's one of those vulnerabilities that really don't affect normal everyday users. It's the system mm-hmm. admins who are running multiple servers, especially the ones that are internet facing, that are more affected. Yes, um, but when it comes to Apple OS ten users, then uh, yes, there is a potential to be affected. Although you've had to go into the um, advanced settings of the networking to make changes. Right. Yes, so this is um, there's there's some uh, there is an update available from from Apple. The strange thing is, if you go to their support page under downloads, you can see the update there. But when I check my updates, it doesn't say there's anything pending. Really? Yeah, oh, I got an update. Did you? Yes. Hmm. I wonder why. Hmm. Anyway, but if you want to up- if you want to patch a machine, you probably should. Yes. Um, definitely. Make sure you run an update, and if there's nothing there, just. Go to the Apple support page under downloads and you'll be able to find it. Yes. Cause, so they've actually uh, uh, been put under cr- some criticism as well because the first update that they released wasn't, uh, didn't include uh, some of the um, vulnerabilities to be fixed. So it's because it's so prevalent amongst the entire operating system. Mm. Um, you know, it, it can be used from web servers. It can be used from uh, basic file sharing uh, apps. It, it can be like it can be integrated into a lot of things. Yep. So it's very important that they find all those um, all, all the attack vectors. I think yeah. is what's what, what it's called in security terms. So um, yeah, they, they, there was some criticism during the week that this first uh, update didn't include all those attack vectors. Mm. But um, of course, Apple will be keen to get across this because it's important. Now, I heard one of the challenges with uh, Shellshock for sysadmins is probably not so much the uh, everyday machines that they look after because, you know, you can go through those and you've probably got a very good inventory of those and you can go through patching them, Mm. but it's all those other um, devices that are sitting sort of like in little black boxes all enclosed that perform a specific function, you know, these application appliance-type devices that you have no idea what they're running and how to patch them and things like that. So that could be an ongoing challenge. Yes. To the industry. Yep, indeed. Now, uh, shall we quickly move on to some randomization issues? We can. <laughs> Is permission allowed? Permission. Yes, okay. <laughs> I won't cut off your microphone this time. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, uh, back in uh, back a few months ago, WWDC here, uh, not here, but uh, Apple's WWDC, um, they they in, they talked about a new feature that they included in the next in the version of iOS that was coming up, which is iOS eight, which has just been released, um, to enable some security and privacy for those who leave their Wi-Fi and Bluetooth connections open. So and you know, I'd you know, like to know who turns them off on purpose. I I do. You're probably one of the very few. Save on battery life. Oh, I'm too lazy to do it, to be honest. Really, I just leave it on. 
I, I, turn, I turn it off and my battery's running low. Yeah. But as a matter of course, I don't do it. And this is the thing. So I think one of the reasons why they've included this particular feature is because it, it is actually, there is a security vulnerability of sorts, or private, at least what I'd call a privacy vulnerability. Yeah. So when you leave Bluetooth on, or even when you leave Wi-Fi on, your phone is um, uh, essentially um, broadcasting a uh, an identifying number or an identifying what's called a MAC address with those uh, with those services. So there's one MAC address for your Bluetooth connection mm-hmm. and one MAC address for your Wi-Fi connection. That's right. And that is broadcast as as part of leaving on either of those services. So if you can imagine, say, some little beacon somewhere just sits in a you know in a major shopping centre, for example, and it might actually be able to track the phones that that walk past it and see the unique identifier. So, oh, Mark's walked past my shop three times in the last three minutes. Maybe he is interested in coming in. I should walk out and sort of grab him and say, come in. Or did he spend five minutes at the front door and not walk in or Mm. all sorts of things. And, you know, you could could think of any number of um, utilities for this sort of thing. It might be good or it might be bad. Um, Apple, in their latest version of iOS, said, okay, when it's not actually connected to a network, we're going to give you a random... MAC address. Oh, rather than the real one. So it's not, yep. uh, and, and, and one that would cycle as well. It doesn't mm-hmm. uh, just um, hand out the yeah, same, out the same, same one random one which will all the time. Yep. And uh, as a tinfoil hat wearer, I thought this is actually quite a good idea. And um, particularly if I want to introduce for, um, I want to use Bluetooth, for example, to use handoff uh, in, a, in an easy to use way right. when, I, when I connect it up to my Mac. Mm-hmm. I would like to um, leave my Bluetooth on so I don't have to worry about it anymore. You know, I yes. just kind of leave it there and it just, you know, when I'm connected, when I'm nearby the computer, it just it just kind of works yep. and I don't have to worry about where my phone is and all mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, that solved that problem for me, as in I have, I now am not being identified to all those Bluetooth receivers that might be hidden away somewhere. Well, you thought it solved your problem. Yes. It was sold as being solving about, about ability well, you, to, you to... didn't You didn't read the fine print, did you? No. No, I didn't. Um, but the fine print says the MAC address used for Wi-Fi scans may not always be the device's real address. Really? May not always. Right. I mean, sometimes it can be. Okay, but... And we're probably going to get quite technical here, but what are the circumstances where... Where it does not show the real one? Yeah. When the phone is asleep. Right. But so the definition does of that mean sl- it's in my pocket and not showing anything? Is no, screen blanking is not asleep. There, um, some researchers have been doing some testing since iOS you know, 8 has just come out recently. And what they found is that any sort of activ- background activity on the phone, like you've got applications checking for messages or the normal Windows notif- um, Apple notifications, not Windows <laughs> notifications, the normal Apple notifications coming through mm. will basically wake up the phone mm. and actually cause it to, to not use the random... That's right, use the real one. And and you can sort of force it to use it more often than that, and that is by turning off your cellular data connection. <laughs> Put in Wait, flight mode. What? <laughs> so, okay, I'm not allowed to have my phone as a functional phone. Doesn't that kind of defeat, defeat the, the purpose? purpose? <laughs> yes. Now, I don't... Like, privacy is good, and, you know, good on Apple for saying, yes, this is what we're intending to do, but why develop a half-baked solution? Mm. Don't, and don't couch it in words that are a little bit, you know, you've got to read between the lines and to interpret it strictly. It's very non-Apple to, to you know, say one thing and, um, and then, you know, 
have something, something else yeah. implemented. It's, it's, mm. It doesn't doesn't help with the trust of the brand, does it? No. Yeah. That's correct. So if you were looking forward to that feature, I think you might have to wait a little bit longer until they either fix it or decide to abandon it. I was hearing some talk that maybe from a technical point of view it was going to be difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, wait and see. Mm. Oh, actually, no, there's some other thing came up with it, that even if the randomised um, MAC addressing was working, yes. apparently when it broadcasts this randomised MAC address, it does send the last five SSIDs of the access points that you're connected to. So the Wi-Fi access points that you've logged on to before, and you, when you log on, you see it by the name, it sends out the, the name of the last five that you've accessed. Wow. So which is, you know, most people tend to access the same uh, Wi-Fi access points, so it's reasonably fingerprintish and in some itself. And of those, some of those Mac, uh, access points are named with something, you know, sort of personal. It can be Mark's Wi-Fi connection or something like that. Yes. So did you just connect to Mark's Wi-Fi network? Sure. Actually, I should be sniffing out. I should set up a little access point just to sniff um, signals going past and seeing what <laughs> different names of access points are out there. Oh, uh, benevolent dictator Michael... To the rescue again. Again. Now, we are running way over time. We are going to talk about some Microsoft stuff with uh, Windows 10 in just a few moments. You're listening to Techno Gaze here on Joy 94.9. Techno Gaze. Bring joy to the world. Listen to us everywhere. Download the Joy Smartphone app now at joy.org.au. Joy.org.au is the address to go to if you want to see all about Joy including the latest podcast you can get the smartphone app you can ah you can just just see so much of the diverse content that uh, is available here from joy 94.9 and it's updated regularly so it's never stale yes yes every single day there's a new show there's new uh podcasts there's great interviews with all sorts of people you know the amazing people that we get interviews with here at joy is Mm. just um phenomenal i'm i'm truly in awe of some of the stuff that you can see you can view you can listen to while browsing joy.org.au. Yes. Now, uh, we, can't, we can't progress without talking about Apple's Irish tax breaks being possibly illegal. So everyone knows, for, particularly for tech companies, Ireland is actually a bit of a safe haven for mm. tax. Uh, there is a sort of a, a, a known sort of situation where the likes of Google, likes of Apple, Ma- Microsoft. Microsoft as well, yep. they all do it. Uh, they centre their um, financial operations, at least in Ireland, in order to get certain tax breaks. And Ireland has been offering this to the tech community for the last 20 years or so, and Ireland has been known as quite a, a, a hub for tech innovation as a result of it. Mm. So you'd think that, yes, it is good business for the country to do it. Yep. But the EU has come out and said that uh, both Ireland and Microsoft um, have been operating illegally and taking advantage of these tax benefits. Wow. So these tax deals from 1991 and 2007 gave Apple an advantage in a selective manner. Yes. The, um, it, and it breaks Europe's common market agreements that allows countries to operate on a level playing field. Right. And that's the thing with the EU. It's like saying that, uh, you know, Australia with several states, you've got one country, EU, mm. but mm. they're not a single country, yeah. and you should all operate within the same regime and, and have the same ability to attract or not attract as every, anybody else. And it would be unfair to introduce something that is more attractive. So it's almost like uh, Ireland, because they've said they, they, they want to be part of the EU, there's certain rules that yes. uh, being part of the EU, including, um, you know, uh, I guess... Um, having uh, tax 
a tax system that applies across the board. It's not specific to an individual company. Like, they don't make up the rules just for Apple, for example. I think no. That's what's being said. Well, yes. And, in fact, you know, um, Apple's response to this is saying that, you know, this was not a special deal. This is just the standard way that Ireland operate. Mm-hmm. And we took advantage of it. Yes. So, you know, we're, we're, we're good. We, we haven't done anything wrong. Yes. Meanwhile, they're, like, probably the world's biggest uh, revenue-raising company in, or you know, it, it would be up there, particularly if you look at just their their um, their share price, their market cap. Um, mm. You know, in terms of revenue, they they have a lot of cash sitting around. So perhaps yes. that's why it would be considered selective, because yeah. you know they are quite unique in that in that uh, regard. And you know, I, I think this is really. Um a preempt of the upcoming G20 that's happening next month, mm-hmm. where we're, we're already hearing talk about tax because everybody's concerned about tax, everybody's concerned about loss of revenue mm. to their tax base. And I think this is just the EU doing the first volley, and we're going to hear a lot more about it because this whole idea of transfer pricing, whereby uh, I'll sell it to you more expensive in your country because your taxes are higher, mm. therefore you won't make profit in that country, but I'll make more profit in my country where the taxes are lower, mm. and therefore great for the corporation overall, we make more money. Yeah, yep. that's very, very attractive to companies yes and um, there's going to be a lot more I think emphasis in the future on avoiding that by putting in some agreements that basically say you must pay X amount of tax on your on your um, turnover Mm. irrespective of what profit you make yeah Mm. It's and similar things are being uh, spoken about here in Australia, particularly around tax and and big companies uh, avoiding. And it's you know it's definitely the done thing, right? Everyone, oh, yeah. your company is not doing it's the right thing by its shareholders if mm. it's not uh, you know making the most of it's all the loopholes. Yes, uh, and of course that's what the companies turn around and say. Very yes. quickly, when when you start saying tax avoidance, tax avoidance, they're like, "Well, we've got shareholders, and that's you know the law is that we need to do the right thing by our shareholders." Mm. So and play within the legal boundaries. Mm. We're just stretching them anyway. Right now, Microsoft Windows Ten. What is eight plus one, Michael? Ten, according <laughs> to Microsoft. <laughs> but, but okay, Windows are saying, "Oh, we've called it ten because it is." So monumentally different. Well, this is the thing. I think there's 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 two. Uh, one of the other things I've heard about Windows 10 is that they're actually uh, considering, or not considering, but they're committing to uh, new releases in a much uh, quicker fashion uh, after Windows 10 is released. So well, yeah, in the in the same way that Apple, for example, um, release incremental updates to their operating system, OS X. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, it's called OS X as well. Um, what a, that, that is just a coincidence. Mm, um, they, they tend to release things in, in much more sort of new features, definitely, but mm. not major overhauls. And I think this is one of the things that's really sort of kept Microsoft back in terms of operating system feature, um, feature set uh, stakes is... They're, the they're frequency, very, yeah. They, mm. they take a long time to to develop new features to their to their operating systems, and and that's fundamentally because they 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 come from a from a developer mindset. They want to overhaul the entire file system subsystem, for example. Um, 
that's not easy to do. Oh, I, beg, I beg to differ. Most developer mindsets is let's put a new feature and get it out there as quickly as possible and well, have lots of deployments. <laughs> now, now we're going to get into a philosophical <laughs> argument. Perhaps it's the, uh, the type of developers that they had uh, working at Microsoft. Who knows? It was, I would actually ascribe it to being the Bill Gates version of, of development versus the um, you know the online development model. Yeah, I, I think I think the dis- no, I think it's the distribution history that Microsoft has had. Where in the past, with you know, starting with DOS and Windows, is mm-hmm. yeah, we'd have to cut CDs, we'd have to cut floppy disks, we'd have to send them to the shops, and all these type of things. There's a lot of work, and you can't afford to do this more than once every two years or three years, mm-hmm. or whenever you release a new the version. Yeah, that's right. Are, are huge. And and you're right. In the new online era, and I think that um, Google probably spearheaded this with the Chrome browser. We don't ha- see these monolithic jumps from. One version to another, where there's this great big, you know, Razmataz announcement and everything mm. else is just, oh, here's a new version. It, you know, everything's going to work, and you just keep on doing these almost in place upgrades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a very, very different model. It is, and I think it's um, getting to the point now where uh, Windows, you know, they're, they're they're really needing to to compete on feature set. Um, you know, uh, OS 10 is very much about the user. Um, yeah, Windows, Linux, even is is getting to that point now where. Uh, everything is about the end user experience. It's not so much about the underlying um, system. You know what what file system is is there is mm. is neither here nor there. And that was a big failure of I think uh, pre Windows Seven. They were talking about this new WinFS, for example, the, yep. the file system that they wanted to introduce, and it was all going to be database driven and and you know uh, object oriented and all sorts of Who wonderful. Cares? Yeah, and no one actually cares. Yeah. In the end, you know, I just give me folders. But, th- but this is also, I think, a reflection of the maturity of the operating system, mm. that it's gotten to the point where, okay, it does 99.9% of the stuff we want to do at an operating system level, yes. and people really are interested in the Chrome and the glitzy bits and how does it look and how does it behave, and that's where you put your, your effort and your concentration onto. Mm. And as a result, if you can engage with the users more often and, and release the product more often yep. and hopefully cheaper, then people will stay with you for longer. So tiles are going to continue as part of a, a, a key feature of Windows, yes. which is something that was introduced with Windows 8. Now, um, I'm not a big Windows 8 user. You you use it fairly often. I completely ignore the tile screen. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's almost like two modes. There's desktop mode and there's tile mode. There is, yeah. And the tile apps and the desktop apps are different. So you get a Skype tile app and you get a Skype desktop app. And oh my Jesus. Wait, that didn't work. Oh my goodness. <laughs> 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 trying to use the right but politically correct term and I completely screwed that one up um, <laughs> how annoying is it that when you when you open an app say Internet Explorer and it opens in the in the tiled version it's like ah get me out of here I just want to I, I want my window you know the window that I was expecting yes why why did they introduce that that full tile it, it might work beautifully for tablet devices absolutely don't don't disagree with that, but on a desktop device, when I've got a keyboard and a mouse, yep. it's not the right way to go. You don't want your, your screen taken over. Mm. And you don't, you, if you do, you want an easy way out. So hopefully Windows 10 will, will help that because they are keeping the tile apps, but they're actually making it part of the start menu. Exactly. And the, they're renaming these tile apps to be universal apps, mm. which means that they operate in tile mode and desktop mode. Yes. And um, so you are going to be use you, you are only going to have one version of the app. You don't need the two versions depending on which mode you're in. Yes, the start back the start button is still there, mm-hmm. which is good. And it's it's strange. It's it is an upgrade to eight, but it's also an upgrade to seven. 
it's really a hybrid version between the two versions of Windows. Right. Yeah. Which is exactly what they need. And mm. hopefully it'll be a good base to, to build upon as well. Yeah, that's right. Now, one of the new features that isn't in the uh, preview that's just been launched is something called Continuum. Mm-hmm. And that's keyboard detection to know when you've removed the keyboard or plugged it in. And that's especially useful for um, the devices that, you know, s- slot into some sort of docking station where you've got a keyboard and then you pull it out and it becomes a tablet. Right. So what what does what this actually mean? Like, uh, detecting a keyboard has been... You know, yeah, a feature of Windows Forever. What, what it does is it now says I'm in tablet mode and will behave differently. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, that that, that kind of makes sense because, mm. uh, like, like I said before, um, you've got a keyboard, you've got a mouse. You start using your computer in a different, different in, a, in a different manner. If it can figure that out and know, oh, you've got a keyboard. Okay, um, I'm now going to not display the keyboard yeah. on screen, for example. Exactly. Um, and that's one of the things with Windows 8. Where 8, it was, uh, you know, um, have the same operating system running in many, many environments, and people said, oh, I can have these devices that snap into docks and so on. Yep. But the operating system wasn't quite mature enough, wasn't quite there to uh, cope with it. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, uh, it's in beta at the moment and is available to download, in fact. And I have downloaded it, but mm-hmm. should we uh, talk about that in a minute? Yes, yes, we're getting on in time. It is Technogaze here on Joy 94.9, 28 minutes to one. We'll be back with more Windows talk in a few moments. This is Joy 94.9, uh, Technogaze with you, Michael and Mark in the studio. And we're on the threshold. We're on the precipice. Well. We're, we're lemmings. We're about to jump off. Hopefully, there will be a nice little staircase below us. Well, I jumped in, rather than jumping off. I jumped into the Windows 10 preview. Hmm. And how did that go for you, Michael? Well, I didn't. I didn't quite take the leap of faith and erase my uh, machine that I use every day and put Windows 10 on. I did install it in the virtual machine, and if you want to ever play, I encourage everyone to do so in a virtual machine. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? It might be beta. <laughs> But even, you know, yes, virtual machines are very good. <laughs> very, very handy. Mm. The, um, the install was painless. Right. Um, it's, it's become very easy to install operating systems these days, hasn't it? It's like the minimum number of questions yes. possible are what, what's asked. Exactly. Like, what's your name? Your, um, well, actually, no, you, you did mention, though, there is a requirement to sign up, isn't there? You've got to log on to a Windows account. Oh. Now, I did this l- last night, and I was a little bit tired, and maybe I wasn't concentrating as well as I could have been, but I couldn't see anywhere to get out of nominating your Windows account to log on as, mm. which isn't, you know, not everybody has a Windows account. To force somebody to have no. one is a bit strange. But then thinking back to, for instance, my experience with um, OS X on Apple, yep. you also have to nominate an account. On iCloud. You can choose not to in, in iCloud, yeah. uh, in, in OS X. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting that they're kind of pushing us down that route. And mm. it's, it's very rare for someone to have an Apple device, like a phone or... Without a, having an account. Without having the, the yes. iCloud account. So I guess they're all trying to get, you know, their online um, uh, presences available. Well, there's a, there's a little... Actually, what's interesting, this really dovetails uh, well with something that Microsoft has just done. We'll take a little segue away from, uh, from Windows for a moment. Mm. You know, Microsoft have got Bing as their search engine, and yes. Bing has got a bit of an identity. Mm. But Microsoft have deprecated that to MSN. So if you now go to Bing, which when I heard this, I tried it because I'm, I'm never on Bing. There's um, a, a little button there that says, you know, try the new MSN experience. And what MSN is, is trying to gather all of the Microsoft sites, whether it be Skype and um, Bing, of course, and a few other things that they've got for music, hmm. into one portal. 
right. looks a little bit like the Yahoo portal. So there's you know pictures and news down below, and then we've got all the sites at the top, including links to Facebook. And um, so they're going to start be pushing the Microsoft brand, and you've got access to OneDrive, which is their cloud storage mm-hmm. um, stuff. Yep. And you get access to this all through your one identity, which is your Microsoft account. So this ties in very nicely with having under Windows, log on to your Microsoft account, get access to your cloud storage, get access to any music potential that you've Skype. got. All Skype. Rest of it. Yeah. yeah. So there is some method in their madness in, in trying to direct you down this path. It's a funny thing. Like when you 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 go back, say, five, ten years, and you remember the, the time when Microsoft were trying to push everyone to create a logon. And, you know, the way that they tried to achieve that was to buy Hotmail, for example, yes. and say, oh, by the way, you're now, you know, you now have a Microsoft account. Well done. Now it's sort of shifted to become, okay, we're now offering free services. Mm. In order to use those free services, you have to have this type of account. Yeah. Um, which, you know, seems to be working. And I think it works across the board because it, it's a free service. You know? And one of one of the things to try and get people in and to using you as an organisation is to have more than one offering. Mm. So yes, in the days of oh I've got free mail, I'm going to use that all the time. Lots of people have got free mail, so it's the combination of of apps yep. or services that are available. What's easy to to swap yep. and, and change between is is you know what's the easiest um, sort of like you look at Google for example and the services that they offer, and I, I'd quite like their their document management or mm. their docu- not document management, but um, document uh, editing yep. online, um, but I wouldn't necessarily trust them with with um, you know my the ability for them to access my phone, for example. So mm. you know, there's horses of courses for all the the, the uh, different yeah. services that are on offer. So Microsoft are bundling that, and yes, you've got very nice integration with Skype in, in Windows 10. Mm. Otherwise, actually, one of the things that uh, struck me as I was installing it, and I had to do two passes because I, I didn't read the you know the upgrade or the new installation bit quickly, and I couldn't understand why it didn't progress very far. Was I haven't done a Windows install in years. And I remember there used to be a time where, you know, I'd fairly often do a Windows install or even do a reinstall of Windows on top of my current version or blow it away because I had some sort of corruption. That's all disappeared. And I haven't installed an operating system as such for a very, very long time. Mm. So I brought back fond memories. And look, it seems stable and I think it should be fairly stable because it is written on, you know, the the core of Windows 8 and Windows 7, which is a a fairly stable kernel. Mm. And... um, I think a lot of the changes they've made are on the user interface side rather than on the um, under-the-cover stuff. So stability point of view, I think it will be fine. Just don't bet your uh, work machine on it at this point not, in time. Not immediately, anyway. No, and there, there will be another uh, release planned in April. There will mm-hmm. be another build. Yep. And uh, they're looking for a release, a, full, a proper release mid-next year, probably June in time for the U.S., you know, back-to-school, you mm-hmm. know, end-of-summer uh, type thing. And there is some rumour and talk about licensing and pricing that maybe for Windows 8 users it will be for free. Really? Hmm. Which is an interesting development considering uh, perhaps they, they want get, to just get people off Windows 8. Well, yeah, they yes. <laughs> well, Windows 8 people want to get off it already, so they <laughs> don't need to incentivize. No, maybe, well, I think that uh, obviously Apple with their uh, last two operating systems being free. Right. is um, going to influence them. And it's been described as an upcoming update to Windows 8. Okay. So, which tends to indicate it might be for free and probably fairly low cost for other platforms. Mm. And your hardware that you use for Windows 8 will work fine with Windows 10 and probably your hardware for Windows 7 as well. It's got to that point now where, you know, major operating systems don't, releases don't actually require any 
um, you know, major hardware update. It's it's almost like we've plateaued in terms of hardware um, development, and we we've just you know we've we've got to the point where we have all the power we need in our machines in front of us. Moore's law has really filled us with power. Hmm. Yeah, but what what more do you need to be able to do with a machine now? Like, you well, know, we we can do as far as using it on a day to day basis. We you know we entertain ourselves, we write documents, we browse the web. Yep. We perhaps do some pretty powerful stuff with graphics or um or audio, but that's a very specialized area. Mm. Um, what else do you do? No, no, that's right, and it's good in a way because I know a lot of people are sick and tired of having to replace hardware every two or three years. Yes. It'll be interesting. I, I suspect, from the hardware point of view, it'll be, it'll come to you know what's uh, one the longevity of a piece of hardware as opposed to the power of a particular piece of hardware. Soon, I I hope anyway from a consumer point of view, particularly you know with um, uh, rare elements being required in computers these days, for yep. it to be able to to not have to you know buy a new. Um, Laptop with you know those weird metals in it that uh, and the gold plating and yeah the arsenic and using the manufacturer and stuff like that yes yes yeah it's interesting um, you know the tech industry has been lucky in terms of obsolescence in that it's driven because of changes in technology it's got its inbuilt obsolescence mm. does that mean that manufacturers are going to have to put in purposeful obsolescence you know will fail after three or four years yeah. <laughs> just to get people to buy new ones might might well well hopefully not I I'd like to. Aspirationally, I like to think that the industry can can sort itself out in that respect. Mm, yes. Now, it, this is Technogaze. It is 18 minutes to one. You're listening to Mark and Michael in the studio with you. If you want to contact us while we're in the studio, you can do so by texting us 0427JOY949 or emailing us on air at joy.org.au. Uh, an anonymous three, uh, listener has uh, texted in saying they're really enjoying the show. Thank you very much for your kind thoughts Mr. Anonymous or Mrs. Anonymous Texter. Yes. Um, we do enjoy knowing that uh, we're entertaining you at somewhat. That's helpful. <laughs> this is Technogaze on Joy 94.9. Technogaze. Love your afternoons. Joy 94.9. We, we love our afternoons here at Joy 94.9. Especially Saturday afternoons. Yes. And Sunday afternoons. Yes. Especially when the weather is so amazingly gorgeous here in Melbourne on Joy 94.9. We get to look out and uh, see the beautiful weather and not experience it. Yes. Yes, we do. Now, we uh, we spend a lot of time speaking about Microsoft. We we do have other (laughs) stuff to talk about, right? Yes. Namely, Hello, Hello. Mm. Now, Hello.co. It's a new social media site. Yes, and uh, it's quite popular amongst the GLBTI community. Yes, well, it, it became quite big news for GLBTI, and I, I think this is because they, they really got, um, made the most of the recent Facebook controversy where they started, Facebook started uh, turning off or, or um, uh, deactivating profiles of people who were known to not have their names. The real, their using the real names, names yes. Using their, their actual real names. Mm. Now, now, what defines a real name? Of course, in the GLBTIQ community, a real name could actually be considered not necessarily your name by DPOL, your your legal name, as yep. far as the government is concerned. It could actually be the the name that you're most well known by. You know, there's there's numerous people around here at Joy that um, use uh, pseudonyms. Hmm. Um, uh, in the uh, community as a whole as well, like uh, drag queens, for example, or, or drag kings. 
might well use a different name and might have, well have a profile of, uh, under that name on and, Facebook. And have a, um, a very large known circle of friends or followers mm. that know them by that name and know them by that name only. Yes. So there was a bit of controversy with uh, Facebook starting to deactivate accounts and as a consequence, uh, just this week, Chris Cook, who is uh, Facebook's chief product officer, has apologised to the GLBDIQ community for how it handled the crackdown on, uh, quote, fake, unquote, names. Now, he acknowledged that uh, our community was more affected by this, this crackdown because uh, people use different names to either protect themselves from harassment or because they identify uh, with different names to that uh, they are given at birth. Yeah, and he also alluded to why this has suddenly happened because uh, apparently a Facebook user reported a number of accounts as being fake. Hmm. I wonder if that's got anything to do with you know an amount of homophobia or, or phobia in general towards those types of people. Look, there pr- it probably is, and <coughs> if it's one individual doing it, then it really sounds like somebody's gone on a bit of a spree saying, oh, you know, let's try to get rid of these people off uh, Facebook. Yeah, because it, it is very much um, Facebook wor- works from a, um, a reactive way in, mm. in this regard. They don't go out actively looking for people necessarily. They they um, they mostly respond to other people's uh, requests to um, you know yes. verify accounts. Yeah. Um, now, what was Facebook's loss? Seems to have been Ello's gain. Yes, because they did. Uh, they they tried to cash in on, well, not cash in, because they're not really making a lot of cash <laughs> so much so far. Anyway, Ello.co um, uh, promoted themselves as being a, a way to to have a profile under whatever name you want, mm. and uh, you know connect with other people. Um, essentially, a social uh, network, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, they're, they're quite happy for you to use uh, a name of your choice. Now, Twitter's been doing that as well. They, they simply have a, a name. You could be any name at all, really. It can be anything, yes. yes. Yeah. But, you know, Ello's also a little bit different because of the model that they're um, saying that they follow in terms of how, you know, no advertising and, and things like that. Yes. So Privacy-focused? They, they are promoting this aspect of themselves. They're saying, hey, we don't like advertisers. We also don't like data miners in the way that uh, Facebook apparently do. So uh, one of the biggest criticisms of Facebook these days, particularly from a privacy perspective, is that uh, you put information up on Facebook, it is available for sale to the highest bidder Mm. in terms of advertising. Yes. So um, the ads that you you see are targeted to you by the information that you push onto your Facebook profile. You are very much the product, aren't you? And this is exactly the uh, the quote, I guess, that uh, Co have put uh, plastered over their, their site is, you are not the product mm. in this regard. So they're, they're trying to make it uh, a social network that is, in fact, um, uh, something that I, c- I want to use. Just simply yep. provides me with the, the features that I need out of a social network without uh, having that bad overhead of advertisers essentially. So how are they going to make money and keep on running? <laughs> this is a very good question. Of course, some, some people have kind of picked up on this this idea that hey, you know, as much as it is uh, developed so far to be a venture, you know, buy venture capitalist money, uh, how long can that model last? You know, venture capitalists usually put money into a, a thing uh, with the prospect of actually having some, some income return. Yeah. 
And uh, we, we had a bit of a hunt around the LO.co site to try and figure this question out, didn't we? You know, what are they going to do to actually make money? They, yeah. Or at least cover their costs, you know, if they're a non-profit, for example, which I mm. don't think they will, considering Venture Capitalists Has involved. invested, yeah. Um, what will they do to, to keep the servers on? I think you, you found some stuff, right, yeah, Michael? Yeah, I found a little bit of stuff. They're going to have some features that are going to be paid for features. But the payments and ongoing payments are you pay once and you get to use this feature forever. Mm. And they do specify that it's going to be a small amount of money to do this. So, it's, you know, it's not going to be terribly taxing for you to want to hand over a little bit of money to do it. But I can't see how that's going to sustain them in the long run unless they become volume bigger than Facebook, unless they've got millions and millions mm. of and, and people constantly buying new features. Yeah. So what, what the, the development model is, in fact, hey, we're going we're gonna to fund the new feature being developed mm. by, you know, uh, maybe a user kicking in one or two dollars. I, I don't actually know that that's a, the average price that we're yeah. going to be charged for features. But you know, let's just say one or two dollars times that by a hundred thousand people. Suddenly, you've got a hundred thousand dollar war chest to uh, get some programmers to develop that feature and, and have it have it work. That is part of the business model. But the other part of a business model for social networking sites is the, you know, keep the lights on, keep servers running. Facebook have, for example, literally millions of servers around the world in various locations. How that requires electricity to run, it requires network connectivity. A whole lot of expenses, people to run it, it's everything. Yeah, people need to maintain it as well. Um, how do they propose to run a you know model where I'm actually just paying for a feature? Um, what happens when they've found they've created all the features that people want? Well, that's the thing. You're going to have to be continually coming up with new features to keep the cash flow going because, mm. yeah, you may have an, an operating base of 100 million people, let's say, if mm. you know things are really good. You know, obviously Facebook's up in over a billion people, but. 100 million people would be great. You might sell something at $1 or $2 each, but you keep you need that this year and then next year I need another feature and so on. It's mm. it's going to be interesting to see what happens and whether, one, people will take to it, so whether they get that critical mass, and two, how they're going to um, monetize from it. Because, you know, mm. if you look at Twitter, Twitter was always the case of, oh, how are you going to monetize, how are you going to monetize? But they never came out in the, fr- in the beginning and said, we will not advertise. No, they didn't. Ello have said very specifically, we will not sell Ads. Ads. Yeah, because that means giving up data and we're all about privacy. Yeah. And you never know. I mean, Facebook, when it first started, there weren't that many ads. There weren't any ads at all when I first signed up to, to Facebook. Um, it was clearly there was a development model to get as many users as possible onto the site. Mm. Now that we've got a massive user base and they're all hooked to the site, they, they can't get off it very yeah. easily or feel obliged to be on it. Um, what are we going to do to, to monetize that? How can that you know? If that's the model that works, what what will uh, what will happen with uh, with Allo? It's a good question. Now I, it is in beta stage at the moment, and I did sign up, and I found it a bit buggy. Right. Uh, search wise, you can't really search for other people in a reliable fashion. Okay. I think there might be some issue around caching or something in that mm. in that respect, because um, new users were very hard to find. Um. Design-wise, it seems a bit weird as well. They've gone this route of everything is Korean new. Now, that Korean new is like this fixed-width font. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And it's all very black and white and designery. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, nah. Anyway. Now, I, I was going to say, Ello's only available now by invitation, isn't it? 
It is. And which makes sense because if you just let anybody onto it, it's like, oh, I don't have any friends here. I'm not interested. This is no value to me. Whereas if you're invited, you're invited by a friend and therefore, oh, at least I've got some network, some social mm. network out, out there that I can connect with. And this is a critical math thing, right? Like yeah. I, I get onto Facebook, I know a whole bunch of people, they're actively using it. I'm always um, intrigued or entertained by things that are that are going on on Facebook. I just, there's not that critical mass yet at um, Allo. Mm. I jump on there and I don't really see that much in the way of uh, people's um, you know insightful status yep. updates. You know, one of the good things about the internet is that the cost to entry is very low. It doesn't take much to set up some infrastructure and perhaps put some software out there, make it visible. Mm. Where Facebook has succeeded and, and where it has got a very high barrier to entry is in its critical mass, in the fact that there are 1.3 billion users out there, in that most people have most of their friends using Facebook. Mm. It's like, well... Yeah, it's really convenient. It does everything I want to do. Why should I go somewhere else, even if it has some features that I like over and above and what Facebook has got? Mm. But there's nobody there that I know. I'm talking to myself. Being a, a social network, the, the fundamentals of it is the friends. Yes. Who, who, who's on there. Mm, that's right. Now, we are running out of time. It's about time we probably wrapped <laughs> up the show, but we will do that in a few moments. You're listening to Technogaze here on Joy 94.9, where we cover some of the latest in tech, gadgets, and consumer electronics, social media. Uh, we'll be back with more just after this. Techno Gaze. Joy 94.9, Techno Gaze here. We're just about at the end of the hour. We, uh, we have left off the running sheet. <laughs> yes. A number of things. All actually, we've, we've cast the tinfoil into the bucket this week. Oh, that's all right. We you don't need that tinfoil. Nah. I, uh, there is a whole bunch of things going on with uh, the Attorney General trampling on our rights, particularly around, um, uh, um, not the NSA, what's our version of the NSA? ASIO and what abilities they have, which we haven't really been able to cover over the last couple of weeks, which is really unfortunate. Not because we haven't, we've been legally not been able to cover no, it. No, no, it's just <laughs> literally we don't have the time anymore. Um, but there's a whole bunch of news which you should get your head around, particularly if you're, you're interested in privacy and the ability for people to check out what you're doing online. Mm. Um, in lighter stuff, a robotic tasting machine dubbed the electronic tongue... Now, you like Thai food, don't you? I love Thai food. I can't get enough of Thai food. And there are lots of Thai restaurants out there, but not all of them live up to the expectation of what real Thai food is. Really? Now, what, what is real Thai food, though? Well, according to the previous Prime Minister before she was outed, Yingluck Shinawat, mm-hmm. Shinawat, what? Yep, yep. Shinawatra, yes. Yep. Um, she wasn't very happy with the fact that all these places outside of Thailand were advertising Thai food. So, um... The Thai government have commissioned this machine. <laughs> a benevolent machine, which... <laughs> costs only $70,000. Okay. That will have a look and analyse the food and uh, come back and say, oh, this is not real Thai food because there's not enough spice or it's too sweet. Hmm. Wow. But I don't know what the plan is to roll it out. Like, do you get, you know, if you're a Thai restaurant outside of the country, do you get a little sticker on the window that says we've been passed by the... By the, the, te- ta- the, the tasting t- machine. Yes. <laughs> the Thai tasting machine. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. But <laughs> Trademark that. Register it. Quick. $70,000 is not a cheap machine either. No. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, that's all we have time for today for Techno Gaze. 
Uh, if you've missed any part of the show or perhaps you're looking to peruse previous episodes, you can do so by browsing to joy.org.au slash technogaze. Coming up next is Cravings with Pete Dillon after a very quick music track. Uh, later is, of course, Fender Bender and then Critical Hit uh, before an excellent music mix lineup to take you through to the afternoon. In fact, Little Fish... Um, is departing the grid here on Joy, yes. and it's a very sad day for that. Mm. Um, if you're a fan of Hannah, uh, do stay tuned for that later on. Yeah, it'll be a busy afternoon. That's all we've got time for. Thank you for joining me today, Michael. Thank you. And uh, thank you for listening here on Technogaze. Um, have a great weekend, and we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Technogaze. On Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.